grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. We have a very, very corrupt system, and it's got to be, and we need from the top, we need great people. We need heads of the FBI. We need heads of the, uh, the top people at the Department of Justice. This is years and years of entrenchment, uh, years and years of radicalism. It's really radicalism, and it's putting our country at great danger. I mean, I'm fighting them all the time, and I think one of the reasons I'm doing so, because well, I've, you know, I've really fought them successfully, and we were making tremendous problems, but this is... Numerous presidents, long-term, people are embedded in those positions, and they hate us. They hate our values. They hate what we stand for. And uh, it's a very important question. We're going we're to do – we were doing big things, but we're going to do very big things. Yeah, very important, because they're really taking away your liberty. And they're taking away your elections, actually. They didn't want to look at the elections. They helped with the elections. I mean, think of it. The FBI colluded with Facebook and with Twitter. Think of it. And yeah, and everybody's asleep. Nobody's thinking about it because the media doesn't report it. And when it does get reported, it gets reported as some sort of alt-right conspiratorial point. Welcome to the Speaking Out America program. I am JR, your host. We do have a comment line now. If you have comments or if you want to make a point, we'll put your comments on the air. 941-800-2937. Again, if you want to make a comment, our comment line is open 24 hours. The reason that we give it out and you can leave a, a message or a comment is because we're heard in all kinds of different time zones. So we might not be live, but you might be hearing it and you can call anytime 24 seven. If you've got a comment about anything on this program, 941-800-2937, write that down. 941-800-2937. And that's the way you can get through to speaking out America. You can also email us speaking out America at gmail.com speaking out America at gmail.com so I listened to Donald Trump today uh, and of course I think I mentioned this we all watched him back in 2016 and certainly 2020 and I hadn't heard him in a while I, it's been a while since he's been doing any of those uh, those outdoor venue events those rallies it's been a couple months actually and the only time I've seen of recent is when he was on the CNN town hall and even then, that was only clips. And I guess he has another town hall uh, with uh, with Fox, uh, Fox News' Sean Hannity. And so listening to him today, uh, I have a couple of takeaways. But I do want to play a little bit more of what he said today in Iowa. Uh, with all fairness, we, we played quite a bit of audio from Ron DeSantis. And I don't want to give anybody the impression that I've got a dog in this race at this point. You know, to me, it's an, uh, it's an embarrassment of riches for the Republicans because we have not one, not two, but we have several great thinking men. And this is what I, what's my number one complaint of government is poor leadership. 
poor leadership has what has resulted in all of these problems that we have now that we're facing the crime homelessness broken borders uh wokeified military people not joining you know we could be two three years out from a some sort of a ground invasion from who knows who or some sort of military involvement perhaps in ukraine perhaps it'll be taiwan and we're shorthanded and the people that are in seem to be more preoccupied with what shower room they can use than serving their country so we have a, a situation, but we also have the Republicans, I believe, we have good leadership, people that understand the Constitution. Now, this new, I don't want to talk about the debt ceiling because I think it's all BS anyway. I, I think that this is, it's so irresponsible for these people. None of us would ever run our households the way that these people are running our tax dollars. And to add insult to injury, finding out that we've been sending billions of dollars to China through NIH so that they could do research that we can't do here, sending billions of dollars to Russia when we're at war with Russia, with Ukraine being our proxy. Don't believe me? Ask Lindsey Graham. It's the best our money can buy. So all of this is bad leadership. Joe Biden is a bad leader. He's a horrible leader. He's weak. He's heavily influenced. He's a people pleaser. He's also probably, on some level, a predator, a sexual predator. We have enough evidence to show that he has a long history of being a misogynistic pig. And so, I don't think, and an opportunist who used his son's death or his wife's death to grab political points. So we have an abundance of good leadership people that are smart. They at least know what they want to do. They have a clear idea of what the Constitution lays out. And if it weren't for the embedded deep state, which we have, a bunch of career government, non-elected government officials who want to keep their jobs and anybody who threatens their existence, they'll go after them. We have a president who is weaponizing our legal department, the Department of Justice, going after women and Christians and Catholics who oppose abortion. Uh, and then they, in de facto, give protection to Antifa and BLM and other activist groups. They're, they're like the thugs, the new Stasi, or as I refer to as the brown shirts. So, yeah, I'm going to listen to a little bit of what Donald Trump has to say, see if he has that magic. And you know what's amazing? He takes uh, questions from the audience. Gosh, haven't seen that in a while. And he doesn't have cue cards that he reads. And he can complete a sentence. And he doesn't get tripped up and start confusing dates on who the president is and what year he served and what, you know. It's I guess he was a, what is it, Biden said he was a trucker? Do you believe that Joe Biden was ever a trucker? Are you kidding me? He, he I guess it's like George Costanza says, if you believe it, it's not a lie. Anyway, here's Donald Trump from Iowa today. He was giving a breakfast speech at a group of Iowans, and uh, it, it's a little long, but it, it's good material, and I think you'll enjoy it, and it gives you a chance to hear what Donald Trump has to say about the issues right now. We were always a uh, proud, proud country, and we're not a proud country anymore. We're not a great country anymore, I have to say, and we'll be a great country again. We're going to be greater than ever, but we, uh, right now we're a laughing stock all over the world. Afghanistan was a disaster. The way we pulled, not the pullout, I was pulling out. 
and we were going to pull out with strength and with dignity. I dealt with the head of the Taliban. I got criticized very badly by the fake news, and he said, why are you doing that? I tell him the story about Jesse James, the bank robber. They said, Jesse, why do you rob banks? He said, that's where the money is. He said, that makes sense. Well, he asked me, why do I deal with the head of the Taliban? Because that's the guy that was doing the killing. And in 18 months, he understood. I, it was a tough conversation. And in 18 months, we didn't have one soldier even shot at. There was nobody shot at. Nobody killed. And then we had the rigged election, and then we had a problem where uh, they took over and they did the most horrible thing. They moved the military out first. They were so afraid of our military. They were so afraid of our jets. And now they own those jets. And now they own 700,000 of the best rifles and guns and weapons. And they own 70,000 vehicles. Think of it. Take the largest uh, used car lot in Iowa, the largest one. Take the largest one. You probably have 150 cars, 70,000 trucks, cars, vehicles, many of them armor-plated, many of them costing over a million dollars each, and they have that. Uh, the night goggles, they have the newest and the best, better than the ones we have. They're brand new. And so now they have the privilege of fighting at night. Uh, what we gave them is just insane. I said, I want to take every screw, every bolt, every nut, every piece of steel that for the hangar, sir, it's much cheaper just to leave it. I said, I want everything. I want everything out. I want the planes and I want the tanks and I want the jeeps. I want everything out. I want everything. And we were in the process of doing it. And then we had this crazy election result. And it was a it's disgrace. I mean, a disgrace. And look what happened to our country. In five years... Just think of it. In a period, in three years, just think of it. In three years, the destruction that they've done. And five years ago, four years ago, even three years ago, because it took them a while to destroy it. But we had, this, we had everything. We had the greatest economy in history. We had the greatest economy in the history of our world. Before COVID came in, there was never anything like it. And then I redid it again gave them back a stock market that was higher than it was before COVID came in. It was just higher. And nobody's ever seen anything like it. But we are the greatest economy in the history of our country, probably the greatest economy in the history of the world. If you remember, China was going to overtake us in 2018. That was, that's from 20 years, I heard. 2018, 2018. We were doubling up in China. We were, we were beating them so badly. And I put the tariffs on. We took in hundreds of billions of dollars. And that's where I got you the 28 billion. I took it right out of there. And I said, thank you very much, China. We were doing a number, and then all of a sudden it changed. Now we're so weak on China. I heard today how weak we are in China. And China makes payments to the, the, to the family, to the family of Joe Biden and to him. Now think of it. And we are so weak, and they don't even respond to our phone calls anymore. They responded to me so fast. We had a very strong relationship with China, and they respected our country. They don't respect us anymore. I think nobody respects us anymore. We're laughing stock. I think he's right. I think uh, it was great to hear him. Not a lot of radio shows will play, you know, that much because there's some unwritten rule that says that people don't like to listen to sound bites that are longer than 30 seconds. And I say, what are you, stupid? If it comes to Donald Trump, he's got things to say, and he said a lot in 30 seconds, didn't he? continue in just a moment. Nan Su will be along to talk about China from the Epoch Times coming up.
Welcome back. Speaking Out America. The podcast is also called Speaking Out America. And we do have a comment line. And if you have a comment on the program or if you have a, a statement or a question, the number is 941-800-2937. Again, 941-800-2937. And we were listening a little bit ago to Donald Trump at Iowa yesterday. Uh, Ron DeSantis was in Iowa as well, giving a speech to a different crowd. And again, it's an embarrassment of riches. Man, I wish there was a way. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, if their personalities, just for imagine for a moment what kind of a ticket that would be. Because if they tried to take out, let's say that Trump, uh, you know, said, okay, look, you know, I really like DeSantis. He's got the right kind of energy. Maybe I could have him as my running mate. Maybe, maybe in a way it would be an insurance policy. Because if they got rid of me, then, of course, DeSantis would step in. Now, I don't think that Trump would, would go the other way. But, you know, DeSantis is a young guy. I don't think he would do it because maybe his ego wouldn't let him do it. And that, that thing, that, that's a character flaw. Don't you think? Like, let's say that this, it gets all the way to the, the uh, you know, where we vote for our favorite Republican. And Trump wins, but DeSantis comes in second. Who is Trump going to ask to be his vice president? Would, would DeSantis give up the governorship, swayed it out? You know, maybe Trump wouldn't get reelected in 2028. DeSantis could try then. It, it's, again, it's an embarrassment having too much goodness. Because if we had those two people in the office watching each other's back, I guarantee you we'd have, we would regain a lot of our losses under the current presidency, under the current administration. And that's worth thinking about, too. But we'll have to wait and see. Don't know. The other day I was on with Reverend Hardin and we were talking about the abortion industry and Planned Parenthood. And I had asked them a question. Do they sell embryonic cells? And I did a little research and I want to bring this up because I'm about to make a wild claim. Um, and this information comes from the Mayo Clinic. And I had put in a query, you know, where do stem cells come from? What are they? Anyway, and there are three kind. There are generally three. Why does this matter? Well, it matters because it helps you. It helps me understand that it's not just about a woman's right to choose. This is about an industry that makes billions and billions of dollars. And what I've learned in my years of growing, they used to say this to me, and when I was young, and I was idealistic, and I, nah, that's not true. Follow the money, right? Follow the money. And when you have a hundred or two hundred billion dollar industry that is being generated off of infanticide, and it's not just about giving the woman a right to choose, and I understand that as a male, I'll never be in that position where I become pregnant and I know that it's a life changing event, and I might be young, or there may be circumstances where I said, wait a minute, I wasn't expecting this. So I can't, with 100% uh, integrity, say anything about other than what I believe about the abortion industry. And I think that in our culture, we're such a throwaway culture. It's what we want freedom, but we, and we want liberty, but we don't want any consequences to our, our actions. And that's why 800,000 people get abortions every year, 800,000 people, because they wanted the liberty of having an, a, a sexual relationship without restraints. And they, but they don't want the consequence. 
So our culture pushes this. You know, we live in a death culture. You've heard it before. We live in a culture that idolizes death. And this is one way they, they do that. They promote under the guise of liberty and freedom and protections. And they bring up the, you know, they bring up the, the coat hanger and they bring up the dark alley and they bring up Handmaid Tale. And that's why Jane's Revenge are all dressed like that woman in Handmaid's Tales. But I think there's something far more devious going on. And I was surprised that Reverend Hardin didn't know about stem cells. So, for one thing, uh, stem cells are used to block the bodies from many things. Stem cells, embryonic stem cells. There's two kinds, adults and children. And then there's preconceived children stem cells from the embryo. So you have the embryonic stem cells, and these stem cells come from embryos that are three to five days old. At this stage, an embryo is called a blastocyst and has about 150 cells. There's adult stem cells, and these stem cells are found in small numbers and in most adult tissues, such as bone marrow or fat. Compared with embryonic stem cells, adult stem cells have a more limited ability to give rise to various cells of the body. Now, if you don't know, they use stem cells in, in treatment, people that have uh, organs that need repair, kidneys, things that get damaged in life. And it, apparently the, the, the potency of these stem cells in such an early form can actually be useful in helping adults recover from illnesses. There are also prenatal stem cells. Researchers have discovered stem cells in amniotic fluid as well as umbilical cord blood. These stem cells have the ability to change into specialized cells. So you can manipulate them and use them in more a variety. Amniotic fluid fills the sac that surrounds and protects a developing fetus in the uterus. Researchers have identified stem cells in samples of amniotic fluid drawn from pregnant women for testing or treatment, a procedure called amniocentesis. So, do you believe that there would be an industry that would make huge profits on embryonic stem cells? In other words, someone goes in, they go to Planned Parenthood, and they have an abortion. What do they do with the material? They sell it. They sell the, the, the sac, the placenta, or whatever, Again, I'm not a doctor, but you can see that this would probably be a very profitable industry, selling embryonic stem cells. Because you know, just like in China where they sell organs to the highest bidder, if you're a Saudi prince and a member of your family needs an organ, are you going to go to America where you have to fill out all this paperwork? Are you going to go to Europe or England? No. You can go to China, wait maybe a few weeks, few months, and you've got the organ you want. And I used to say, oh, I'm so angry about this. It's just, uh, how, how could a nation do this? And they sell the organs of these. And what I come to realize is, what is the difference between that and Planned Parenthood selling embryonic stem cells to the highest bidder? The question is, is it happening? And that's what I'm going to ask you. Is this happening? Can you point me in the direction? 
Because the only way that we're going to wake up people to the insidious nature of the abortion industry is by using facts. We need to show that the profits and the profit motive is what's driving the abortion industry in our country. And I believe that is absolutely true. And I think that if someone had the, if you work at Planned Parenthood or if you have experience or you know this, send me an email, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com or call my comment line. That phone number is 849-800-2937. Again, 941-800-2937. I'd really like to know. Nan Sue is going to be joining us in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Speaking Out America. I want to talk about something that was in your newspaper today. And it's and the headline is Xi calls on China's top national security officials to prepare for a worst case scenario. So I thought, who knows about this more than my friend Nan Su over at the Epoch Times? So thank you for joining me on the the show today. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's that all about? What what do you think is up in Xi's mind right now? Is he anticipating something, or is this just you know propaganda? Yeah, he- it's uh, he it's preparing uh, for a war. You know he already make an open order uh, for Chinese military to be fully ready to annex Taiwan in 2027. So time is quickly approaching, and he's a, a star a bunch of things: uh, a, a cybersecurity as well as. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you, you, you know that they recently start sanctioning Micron, right? Yeah. Uh, the, and that's that's part of the preparation because uh, basically they're not really sanctioning Micron, but they basically just say, well, uh, all the um, uh, governments, militaries, or uh, sensitive infrastructures cannot use uh, uh, cannot use the chips uh, from Micron. Because Micron is an American company, and also she uh, recently also not only the cybersecurity but uh, the food the security. Uh, so uh, they make a, a, a vast uh, order that uh, that to return a lot of uh, uh, lands that's used to grow plants. Uh, and like all uh, some of the um, areas that you know they trying to grow trees, return to the farmland. You know what happens in the past twenty years, China, the China, you know because they trying to take care of their uh, deteriorating environment, they you know they they put a lot of farmlands uh, to to try to return those farmlands to forest. So, but now they're they're trying to return those uh, uh, forests. You know, they they have already used to grow trees to return those land to farmland, and they force uh, they are forcefully doing so because they're you know they're sending people basically to those land. They are already, the trees are already growing. They just cut down the trees, and then they just you know uh, return those land to farmland. So you know it's a big step. They trying to uh you know uh trying to secure their food supply i understand that not long ago maybe maybe a couple of months ago xi had told all these unemployed young people to go back to their roots and head back out to the country 
and contribute to growing uh, food? Is that part of this whole thing well, too? Well, this is uh, this is a little different than the early seventies when Mao has say that uh, uh, <clears throat> Mao has sent a lot of high school grads to uh, to the countryside. Uh, it's called the go up to the mountain, down to the village movement. But this time it's different. This time it's all college grads. They're not sent. They're not forced those people to go, to do farm work. But they are uh, after something else. They, you know, first of all, they have a, uh, they have a, they have a lot of uh, college grads not able to find a job. This is number one. Number two, they trying to industri- industrialize uh, uh, the countryside. So uh, you know, to to make it because uh, to kind, it's it's a lot easier to control a worker than control a farmer. So it's really um, to industrialize uh, uh, the, uh, their agriculture, and and as a result, uh, the, the regime will have a lot more control on the on the you know mm-hmm. on uh, countryside people. Just to bring people up to speed, Nansu is with me from the Epoch Times. He is the expert on all things China. So May thirtieth, Xi Jinping addressing the officials attending the National Security Commission and the meeting there, the 20th National Congress. And he said that the CCP officials need to co- fa- carry forward with the spirit of struggle and must adhere to bottom line thinking and worst case scenario thinking. So he is preparing for war. Obviously, it must have to do with Taiwan. My question is, is this just psyops, you know, psychological operations to try to get Taiwanese to start building up their reserves because that's what I would do if I was running the military in Taiwan and I was hearing Xi saying that there's going to be a war in 27 that that tells me I've got three years to get my act together but that seems a little bit too obvious why would well, why would Xi announce to the world when he wants to attack Taiwan well they uh she basically make order uh to uh chinese military uh that uh he ordered the military need to be fully ready ready to annex taiwan by the year of 2027 which is the year of 100 year anniversary of a chinese military now uh, if he is he is really going to do it depends on a lot of factors uh, the one, you know, number one is if, you know, China, if the communist regime in China facing uh, a lot of challenges like a social unrest, uh, you know, to start a war with Taiwan is definitely one typical way of the regime trying to uh, switch the uh, attention of the society to outside. Um also, uh, it depends the challenge, economic challenges. Now, uh, she is uh, China right now is facing three major economic challenges. Number one, their export business is going down. Number two, uh, because of the escalating geopolitical risk, a lot of foreign investments are leaving China. And number three, their real estate industry, it's, you know, it's a it's all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So they try to solve all these problems depending on how successfully they are able to deal with all these challenges. If they are not successful, then, you know, uh, expansion to 
outside of China, it's the way to go. And that's all that has been always the way in the last couple of decades. And it's also going to it also depends on who is in the White House in 2027. I would think that if, if Biden conti- wins, then Xi has no opposition coming from the West. And if Trump ends up getting back in or a DeSantis, then we've got a, a man who may not who be, may be willing to stand up to Xi, and he would anticipate that we would send in the U.S. military to back up Taiwan. Are those scenarios something you think Xi is uh, thinking about? Well, decision decision makers' strength is absolutely uh, one factor. Uh, decision maker, I mean, in the United States. Uh, uh, his strength is, is uh, obviously going to be one uh, crucial factor that Chairman Xi is going to consider. So we don't know what's going to happen uh, 2024. So let's just wait and see. Well, we got about a minute left. Well, can you give me any quick update on that? What exactly is Xi trying to do intimidating dissidents here, trying to turn them into spies or uh, what, what's going on there? What's underneath that maybe most Americans don't understand? She has has been trying to uh, to to basically shut up, uh, shut up, all, you know, make all the political dissidents outside of China that cri- who criticize the Chinese government to shut up. Basically, uh, they are uh, they are uh, uh, sending uh, they are giving money to all different kind of secret agents. And who will take the money from Chinese communist regime and watch the uh, overseas society of uh, of Chinese people mm-hmm. uh, and and give the um, the information to the regime and the regime will basically either call these people make a threat or call these pe- these people's families mm. who are still in China to make the threat. It's like gangsters. They act like gangsters, don't they? Well, it's true. A lot of these people, they're they're really not considered as the, uh, as a directly hire as a, like a, as a spy or or secret police. They're just the, you know the people who are willing to take the money uh, uh, from the Chinese Communist regime and do those things. Keep an eye on the uh, yeah. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, Nansu, out of time. The Epoch Times. Nan is a great senior investigative reporter for this international newspaper, and we appreciate you very much stopping by. We'll look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for having me today. We'll be back in just a moment, Speaking Out America. Another interesting story about this LGBTQ uh, Pride Night with the Sisters of... I always forget their name. What is it? The Sisters of Immaculate Projection or in, in Indulgence? Maximum Indulgence, I think. Anyway, they like, to, they like to... These men dress up as women and then they like to prostrate themselves in front of the crucifixion and make fun of Christians and Catholics. And there was a great article. There's a picture. It, it happened in two cities. So L.A., L.A. Dodgers, uh, Sammy Kershaw, one of my favorite pitchers of all time, and that's say- saying something. He came out and he didn't lambast or t- you know take swipes at the LGBTQ community. In fact, he said we're going to do something different, and we're going to honor all of those wonderful Christians and Catholics 
and we'll have uh, a Jesus night at Dodger Stadium, which I thought was pretty brilliant, if you think about it. I mean, he basically, you know, said, look, let's let's turn this into lemonade. But there was another there was another baseball player who if initially attacked the LGBTQ and they came after him. And he ended up doing the old, I'm sorry, I'll get myself re-educated. You know, he gave in to the community. Oh, it's the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Uh, and, And what ended up happening is that this guy, poor Anthony Bass, Toronto Blue Jays, he found himself at the receiving end of the LGBTQ mob uh, in hot water for sharing an Instagram reel from an account called Dude with Good News and apparently offended a lot of people. And what, what Bass had said in his Instagram was that, you know, this isn't the appropriate place for this and, and maybe we shouldn't do this. And they came after him to the point where the pride community, I guess he didn't like the way he said the pride community. And uh, so he comes out, does an about face, and he's begging for their forgiveness. Oh, I better educate myself as to make better decisions moving forward. So he acquiesced. He said, oh, the ballpark is for everybody. We'll, we'll include all fans at the ballpark. We want to welcome everybody. And that wasn't good enough. So this guy is now always going to be labeled a bigot by the LGBTQ left. And I'm, and I'm starting to like the idea of just calling him the pride cult. Because that's what it, what it really is. It's the pride cult. And the pride cult hates Judeo-Christians, and they hate people who like Jesus. They hate people who read the Bible. And they label them as extremists, and it's crazy, right? It's just absolutely crazy that they do this. But they do it. And they continue to get away with it, and uh, one company after another is finding out the hard way that you can't uh, upset the moral majority and it is the moral majority, and it should be the moral majority. Majority, And we should look at this from a, a clean perspective. And I'm going to tell you a story right now of the father of transgenderism and why I am firmly against transgender at any age. But I am not discriminatory against adults who have chosen that lifestyle. To me, they are suffering from an emotional calamity, and I am not going to affirm them. Because that would be enabling them. That would be enabling them. It would be no different from from encouraging an anorexic person and support their desire to not eat because they feel that they identify as being overweight or obese. I'm not going to enable them to believe in that fantasy because I know that it's destructive to their life. That's my official position on people of trans. And I go apoplectic when I see that they're trying to and I scratch my head, why are they trying to inculcate children? What, what's the fascination for them to get affirmation from children? Well, if you go back to the founder of transgenderism, it's a man by the name of John Money, and much of what I'm about to tell you is absolutely true. And if you are easily offended, you may want to turn your radio off, or you may want to just hit pause and go grab a drink and come back. At the time, John Money was a respected expert on sexual behavior, and he was especially known for his views that gender was learned rather than innate. You hear that now, that gender is a construct, and it's something that we create for ourselves, right? Well, this was the guy who started this. His name is John Money. And it was later revealed that his most famous case of David Reamer, 
who was born Bruce Reamer, was fundamentally flawed. But he went around spreading the news, the new doctrine that he was right, that, that sexuality is a construct. That's what he, he went on. In 1966, a botched circumcision left eight-month-old Bruce Reimer without his organ. John Money persuaded the baby's parents uh, that sex reassignment surgery would be in Reimer's best interest. At the age of 22 months, not, ju- not yet two years old, Reimer underwent an orchiectomy uh, in which his testicles were surgically removed He was reassigned to be raised as a female, and his name changed from Bruce to Brenda. Money further recommended hormone treatment, to which his parents agreed. Money then recommended a surgical procedure to create an artificial, well, uh, a woman's organ. And the parents actually said, no, we're not going to go that far. We don't, we've done enough. Let's see how it goes. So Money then went and published the papers reporting the reassignment as completely successful. It was reprinted in all the science magazines. The medical industry embraced it as revolutionary. And remember, this is 1966. And John Money is the father of transgenderism in our society today. But the story turns tragic. According to John Colapinto's biography of David Reamer, starting when Reamer and his twin brother... Brian were six years old, money showed the brothers porn and forced the two to rehearse sex acts. Money would then order David. Now, David now is a girl by sex reassignment surgery. David doesn't know that he was born a boy at this time. All he knows is that he and his brother have to go to this doctor, sort of a therapist, and they and then this doctor would get them in the room and he would have them do all kinds of horrible things to each other. Money also forced Reamer in another sexual position. Well, I can't even get to that part. At least one occasion, Money took a photograph of two children performing all these acts. So it was clear, and we know now, that this John Money was a predator. But he was operating as this authoritative sexual identity expert. Everybody was revering him for his breakthrough technology and showing that, yes, you could convince somebody that they were a girl if they were born biologically as a boy. Now, it's interesting to note that the children, and all of this was, by the way, written about in Rolling Stone in 1988. Now, when the children, they gave their account, they said whenever they would resist Money's directions when they went to see him for therapy, he'd get angry. And Reamer and his brother recalled that Money was mild-mannered around their parents, but became suddenly ill-tempered when alone with them. Money also forced the two children to strip for genital inspections. And when they resisted inspecting each other's genitals, Money got aggressive. Reamer said, he told me to take my clothes off, and I, I didn't want to do it. I just stood there. He screamed. Money's rationale for his treatment of the children was his belief that childhood sexual rehearsal play at thrusting movements and copulation was important for, quote, a healthy adult gender identity. Now that should shed a little light as to what these drag queen men are attempting to do when they do drag queen story hour. Now, obviously, both Reamer, the sex-assigned girl, and Brian, her twin brother, were traumatized by the therapy. When Brian began speaking 
about it only with the greatest emotional turmoil, and David was unwilling to speak about the details publicly. At 14 years old, the extreme psychological uh, agony of David being told that he was actually born as a boy and never told by his parents was too much. For decades, they both suffered from this treatment, this therapy that they underwent from the father of transgenderism. Money reported on Reamer's progress as the John Joan case. And you can read about it on Wikipedia, describing apparently successful gender development and using his case to support the feasibility of sex reassignment and surgical reconstruction, even in non-intersex cases. And this is what is partly based on all the sex reassignment surgery that is conducted today. By the time the, dis the deception was discovered, the idea of a purely socially constructed gender identity ideology had emerged. David Reamer's case came to international attention in 1997 when he told his story to Milton Diamond, an academic sexologist who persuaded Reamer to allow him to report the outcome in order to dissuade physicians from treating other infants similarly. And the sad news is in July 2002, Brian was found dead from an overdose of antidepressants. In May of 2004, David committed suicide by shooting himself in the head with a shot, sawed-off shotgun at the age of 38. He had recently become depressed after losing his job and separating from his wife. All under the, the therapeutic control of John Money, the father of transgenderism. And now you can understand why I take the position I do. Nobody knows John Money. Nobody knows his story today. If someone comes to you and says, how can you be so un unsympathetic to the, the people who just want to have their identity referred? Just say, are you aware of the story of John Money? Why don't you go look it up? thought it was important to bring this story to light. As you look around today, you understand that it's all based on a lie. And if you haven't noticed that with kids, doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder.